Hey, good morning. It's good to be back uh, from vacation, uh, but that would be a lie. It's uh, better to be on vacation than uh, working, but uh, I am grateful to be back with my uh, church family. I'm grateful to Carl uh, for sharing with us uh, his message on the great I am and uh, kind of closing out the last sermon series uh, where I talked about the different names of God, especially in the Old Testament, and, and being able to wrap that up with uh, who Jesus is as I am uh, really was helpful, and I, I appreciate you doing that. Uh, today, uh, we're going to begin a sermon series uh, entitled Family Matters. Uh, the purpose of this series is we, we've done a lot of practical uh, sermon series. We've done some practical sermon series about sharing our faith, a practical sermon series about helping those uh, who are in need, uh, talking about I, our identity as a congregation, our identity as individuals in Christ. And it's important within the scope of uh, that vision to talk about what happens at home, to talk about what it means uh, to be a parent, what it means to be a husband. And, and really, all of that intertwines uh, with what it means to be the church. If you think about uh, Jesus and how he, uh, how he communicates who the church is, he calls the church his bride. And, and I think that's incredibly important when we're thinking about family and, and what it looks like to be, uh, to be a family and to be uh, the church. So uh, with all of that said, today we're going to talk about marriage. Uh, we're going to look at uh, Paul's lengthy uh, discourse about, about marriage, uh, starting in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21. He begins with this phrase, to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He says that wives submit to your husband and to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, the body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. And husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her by the washing and with water through the word to make her holy and to be present uh, to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same ways, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ in the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Uh, let's begin in a word of prayer. Uh, father, Lord, as we uh, take a look at this passage this morning, as we take in your holy word, I pray that your spirit will move among us, that we can learn together, that we can hear uh, your truth within these words. And, and I pray, Father, that you will guide and, and lead uh, this discussion. 
uh, that your uh, wisdom will prevail. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I love this passage, and I love this passage specifically because it does such a great job of communicating what I was trying to communicate, that, that there is this intertwining between the, what the family should look like and the church, right? There, there's this intertwining that's happening. He, he states it over and over again, relating a husband-wife relationship with the church and God in, in, in so many different ways. Uh, so just take some time, if you will, uh, to Google secrets to a happy marriage. Have you ever tried to Google secrets to a happy marriage? There has been a lot written on the subject. I want to share with you a couple of my favorite things said about marriage the secret to a happy marriage is to go to bed, is to not go to bed angry. And so the husband replies, I haven't slept in 23 years. One person says, my secret to a happy marriage is to memorize these six magic words. Yes, dear, you're right, and I'm sorry. There was a woman who was sipping on some wine she was sitting on her porch next to her husband. She said, I love you so much. I don't know what I would ever do without you. I don't know how I could ever live without you. And her husband said, is that you or the wine talking? And she said, that's me talking to the wine. <laughs> there has been a lot written about marriage. You can find books at McKay's. You can download podcasts on the topic. You can maybe even find a couple funny memes. But everywhere you look, there is someone who has something to say. And, and we're fascinated with the topic. Many of us maybe follow celebrity marriages. Maybe some have watched those uh, reality shows of those celebrity marriages. Maybe you have a favorite author on the topic. Uh, Jessica and I, we've been married uh, 20 years, uh, but I am certainly not an expert on marriage and still learning to be a better husband. Uh, she's got it down to a T, though. But I want to take a look this morning at what Paul says right here in Ephesians chapter 5 on the topic. And the word that came up that I think we really need to just sit on is this word submission. And I, I think submission is the basic building block to make a marriage work. Uh, submission, if you, if you want to start writing a few words down, submission means uh, that you are committed to being a peacemaker. Any delusion to superiority must be banished. No one can think of himself or herself more highly than he or she ought. Submission is an attitude where you decide to make yourself less so that others can shine. It is committing yourself to being a peace 
maker. It was James who wrote what causes fights and quarrels among you. Don't they come from desires that battle within you? And he's right. The quarrels and fights come from these desires that boil down inside of us. But I think the opposite is true. Peace, where does that come from? Peace comes from mutual submission to people who are willing to lay down their rights, willing to lay down their pride, willing to submit to one another. There were two children who were climbing into the back seat of the car. Eric is five years old, and he yelled, I called the left side. Well, that didn't sit very well for Ron, who was four years old, and he said, no, I want the left side. Eric shouts back, no, I want the left side, and then Ron shouts back, no, I want the left side, and intervening, their father said, Eric, you're the oldest, you can have the left side. And so Eric asked, which side is the left side? Imagine if these children had fought for peace instead of which side to sit on. Imagine if they had mutually submitted to one another. I've noticed that within my own life and my own relationships, that when I choose to make myself less, my relationships are made stronger. When I choose to submit, others are blessed and allowed to shine. And in marriage, when we both commit ourselves to submission, when we both commit ourselves to peacemaking, our decisions are driven by mutual submission and love. But submission isn't only founded on this idea of of, uh, peacemaking, but it's also a commitment to mutual respect. Mutual respect. And that respect looks different between a man and a woman. Uh, Paul uses this word submission uh, for wives to submit to your husbands. And then he uses the word love when he says the husbands should love your wife. But he also uses the word respect. A. Skevington Wood, in his commentary on Ephesians, says that the verb to submit occurs 23 times in Paul's letters. It denotes that there is a subordination to those who are considered worthy of respect. And so it poses a question, whether you're a man or a woman, do you consider your spouse someone worthy of respect? Paul writes that wives submit yourselves to your husbands and husbands love your wives. Are you showing the respect in your relationship that your spouse deserves? Quite honestly, if you think about it, this is applicable in every single one of our relationships. Relationships drown. Relationships drown in the sea of disrespect. But they thrive when we choose to respect one another. As a psychologist by the name of William Damon, 
He says, respect for the parent who exercises proper authority leads to respect for legitimate social institutions and respect for law. In his book, The Moral Child, Damon writes that the child's respect for parental authority sets the direction for civilized participation in social order when the child later begins assuming the rights and responsibilities of full citizenship. And so Damon says, and he calls this respect, the single most important legacy that comes out of child's relationship with the parent. That's a pretty strong statement. And if two people can't respect one another, what kind of legacy is being left? Paul writes in Romans chapter 12 that we should be devoted to one another in love, that we are to honor one another above yourself. Now, of course, Paul in Romans chapter 12 is talking to every relationship within the church. But if you keep that up there, Lila, you'll see that if you look at that verse, you'll see that that works specifically in a marriage as well. That when one couple and both couples are able, both, both people and one couple are able to, to devote themselves to love, to devote themselves to honor when they humble themselves and respect one another, that a marriage can truly thrive. Now, there's one more aspect of submission that I think is incredibly important for us to understand, and that is this word, forgiveness. Forgiveness. Paul, Paul tends to go on tangents sometimes. I get it. It's easy to do. But within this conversation, did you notice that Paul kind of went on a tangent here? You know, he's saying that we're supposed to submit to one another out of respect for Christ, right? Out of reverence for Christ. He's now going to take the, the rest of chapter 5 and a lot of chapter 6 and talk about different relationships and what submission looks like in those different relationships. Wives, you're to do this. Husbands, you're to do this. Children, you're to do this. Parents, you're to do this. Slaves, you're to do this. Masters, you're to do this. This is what it looks like to submit in relationships. But notice that within the conversation of marriage, he keeps going back to Christ. He keeps going back to Christ's sacrifice, specifically, that Christ so loved the church that he did what? That he sacrificed. He gave his life. He did what? He forgave. He makes the church Radiant, holy, blameless, without stain, without wrinkles, without blemish. I don't know what church Paul goes to, but these aren't the words that I would describe the history of the church, amen? With all of its failures, with all of its faults, I'm not sure the church has always been radiant. I don't know if the church has always been blameless, but Paul can use those words. Why? Because of Christ's sacrifice, his death, his resurrection, because he forgives, amen? Because Christ forgives. 
We found justification through death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's incredibly hard to submit to one another if I have something in me that causes me not to forgive you. It is hard for me to submit to you if I don't see you as holy and blameless and radiant and without fault or without wrinkle. Amen? It is hard for me to submit if I don't forgive you. I read about a teenager. He was really tired of reading stories to his little sister. So he came up with this idea. He said, I'm going to find a couple of her favorite books, and I'm going to record it on tape cassette, and I'm going to give that to her. And so he did. He gave it to her and said, isn't this great? Now you can listen to your favorite stories anytime you want. And with sad eyes, she looked at her big brother and said, but the tapes don't have a lap. You see, I think we're all just in the church looking for the personal touch within our relationships. We have this deep desire to be loved unconditionally. And it's true within a marriage as well. I want to be loved unconditionally. And I certainly want to be forgiven when I make mistakes. Jesus made this point incredibly clear in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 through 44. He says, he says, you heard it said to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Pause there. To love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Who says that? Oh, we kind of do in our hearts, don't we? You're a jerk to me. Ah, I'm going to write you off. I'm going to blow you off. You are now in that category as enemy, and I now hate you, right? You heard it said, eh, there's no law about it, but it's kind of in our hearts. And Jesus flips that over, right? And he says in verse 44, but I tell you to love your enemies and to pray for those who persecute you. Oh, who's persecuting you? Who's choosing to hate you? Who's choosing to fight against your happiness? And Jesus tells you to pray for them, to love them. Man. Forgiveness is incredibly important in a marriage. And it's incredibly important in this topic of submission. If we're to submit to one another, there must be this commitment to peacemaking. There must be this commitment uh, to mutual respect. There must be a commitment to forgiveness. I've, I've shared this story with you before. It, it's too beautiful not to share again. Submission looks like the marriage of Robertson McQuilkin, who died in 
who used to be the president of Columbia Bible College, and his wife, Muriel, who suffered from the advanced stage of his Alzheimer's disease. In March of 1990, Dr. McQuilkin announced his resignation with these words. He said, my wife, Muriel, has been failing in mental health for about eight years now, and so far I've been able to carry both her ever-growing needs and my leadership responsibilities at CBC. But recently it's become apparent that Muriel is contented most of the time when she's with me and almost none of the times when we're apart. It's not just discontent. She lives with fear, even terror, that she's lost me. She goes in search for me. And then she becomes really angry when she can't get to me. And it's clear that she needs me now full time. He says, the decision was made 42 years ago when I promised to care for her in sickness and in health till death do us part. And so as I told the students and faculty, as a man of my word, integrity has something to do with it, but so does fairness. Uh, she's cared for me fully and sacrificially all these years. And if I cared for her the next 40 years, I wouldn't be able to pay the debt. Duty, however, can be grim and stoic, but there's more. I love her. She's a delight to me. Her childlike dependence and confidence in me, her warm love, occasional flashes of, witness, of, of wit that I used to relish, her happy spirit, tough resilience, I do care for her, I have to, I, but I get to. It's a high honor to care for such a wonderful person. And that gets me in the feels, right? Because someone has committed themselves to submission. He could have looked at her and wrote her off. Could have quoted scripture to her. Says right here, wives submit to your husbands. But he didn't. He loved her. Committed himself to this idea that marriage is deeper and stronger and can be something that's great. It's hard. You know, there's no easy answers. There's no easy Answers. Marriage can be difficult. It can be trying at times. It can be hard, right, Jessica? Can you imagine her having to be married to me for 20 years? Come on. Thank you. <laughs> but a marriage that is committed to peacemaking and respect and forgiveness, I think that's a building block of something. I think that helps make a marriage last. So I challenge you today to commit yourselves to submission. Not everyone in here is married. Not everyone in here has uh, that specific relationships, but I think, I think that this commitment to, to peacemaking and respect and forgiveness can be something that can be shared in every relationship. And we see it in Jesus. It's intertwined. Jesus loved the church so much that he gave, laid down his life. It wasn't taken from him. He chose to lay down his life. And today, 
we celebrate that. We celebrate what he did for us. During this time, we're going to sing a song, and while we're singing, there's a communion table set up here and here and here, and I invite you that while we sing to get up and, and go to one of these stations to take the two cups, on the bottom cup is the bread, and on the top cup is the juice, and you're going to hold that. Uh, Luke Cooper's going to come up and share with us some thoughts, and we'll take the, that communion together. Uh, before we do, let's Let's take some time to pray. Father God, I am grateful uh, for your amazing and incredible love. That, Father, you showed us the way to have good relationships. You showed us the way to have healthy marriages. You showed us the way to have healthy relationships in your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray, Father, that we can live this out in every single one of our relationships. That, Father, we can model uh, your life here on earth and what we do and what we say. Grant us the strength, dear Lord, found in the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.